This is Points North on Interlochen Public Radio. We're back with stories about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Upper Great Lakes region. This week, we have a look at how the pandemic has collided with farming in northern Michigan. Anybody can sign up for a COVID test in Michigan, but there's one group of people that have no choice, farm workers. The state health department requires farms to test employees. That's after hundreds of workers got sick at farms and food processing facilities across the state. Thousands of workers have been tested, but the process has left many frustrated. There was even a lawsuit. IPR's Lexi Krupp takes it from here. Before Maria San Miguel got her COVID test in August, she was nervous. I was a little bit afraid because I was seeing on the television and the internet that there was something they were going to put up your nose really far. On test day, though, she had no problem. They put a long cotton tip swab up one nostril and kept it there for 15 seconds. I just felt like sneezing, and my eyes teared up a bit, but it didn't hurt. Maria got her test at Bardenhagen Berries, a farm in Leelanau County where she works. She didn't have any coronavirus symptoms. She hadn't traveled recently or been in contact with anyone who tested positive, but she still had to get a test. That's because in early August, the state required employers to provide testing for all farm workers living in migrant housing and everyone working on larger farms. The thinking here is that many farm workers live and work in close quarters, ripe for the spread of disease. Michigan is the first and possibly only state in the U.S. to require this blanket testing for agriculture workers. And for the most part, it's been working. For us, it was a good experience. Steve Bardenhagen had actually tried to get COVID testing for his employees before the mandate, and couldn't. After the new order came out, he requested testing from the state. In a few days, a local clinic set up shop at his farm. A whole crew came out. With four people entering data on computers, and then a couple other people doing other jobs, and, and like three people on intake, you know, filling out forms and such. <laughs> it, was, it was quite something. They were done in a few hours. And a couple days later, the results came back, all negative. Over 5,000 farm workers have been tested as of August, according to the state health department. 180 have tested positive. Now, not everyone has had such a smooth experience scheduling tests. For many, this order came during the peak of harvest season. A lot of workers had already been there for months, and farmers were at their busiest. There were a lot of questions of, like, how much is this going to cost? Who is going to have to comply? What happens if they don't want to get tested? Juliet McAvoy coordinated testing at King Orchards in Antrim County, which employs nearly 90 people. I supported the, the meeting behind it and, and everything, but there wasn't an infrastructure in place for it to be carried out. Like one issue was covering the testing fees of workers without health insurance. The executive order said, call the health department to apply for emergency Medicaid. Well, I, I called my local health department and there's no one there. So <laughs> I was like, uh... Juliet arranged testing with an independent health clinic and paid for it with a separate state grant. Once she set up testing, it was easy. Other growers, though, like Nels Veliquet, who has workers in Antrim and Grand Traverse County, are still waiting to hear when they can schedule testing. We're still on a waiting list to know whether or not, you know, we can get that test and when that will be. 
and Nels has more workers coming in for apple season in a few weeks. Between figuring out separate housing where workers can quarantine and scheduling those tests. So there's a lot of movement going on right now. There's just a lot that is unknown. Some of the loudest concerns about these testing requirements have come from people who say they're discriminatory against the Latino community. There is actually a lawsuit about this from a group of workers and farm managers. Antonia Alvarado is a Michigan farm worker who wasn't involved with the lawsuit, but the requirement didn't sit right with him. When he first heard about it, some really personal questions came up. Why me? Why the Latinos? Why the Mexicans? Why the people who work in agriculture? He explained more in Spanish. You see, the way you see it, the palabra is discrimination. Yeah, I'm going to say it. The word is discrimination. But it's okay, we're in a country that is not our own, and we have to follow the rules, whether we like it or not. Many workers support the requirements. Like Maria San Miguel from Barden Hagen Berries is all for testing. She says everyone on her farm was in agreement. That's how we take care of each other. If we all had to do it, it would mean better health for everybody. Tests for another 5,000 people are set to take place over the next few weeks, and thousands more are still being scheduled. The state says the tests are helping to quash outbreaks and contain the spread of disease. For Points North, I'm Lexi Krupp. It's Points North on Interlochen Public Radio. I'm Peter Payette. You might recall our audio guides from this past spring. During the shutdown, outdoor recreation was still allowed in Michigan, and we kept our eyes and ears on the changes happening around us up north. We'll continue that kind of exploration on Points North. In our field guide today, we're looking in the garden for tomato hornworms. It is peak season for these large caterpillars that are detested by gardeners. They eat twice their weight in leaves each day, and they're just kind of gross. But they're also impressive creatures. They pupate underground, six inches underground. Duke Elsner says that's amazing because caterpillars aren't built to tunnel. When it's time to become an adult, they have to get back out of the soil. And both the pupil stage or an adult, either one, again, they're not really built for moving through the soil. It's remarkable how effective or how many survive at all in, in this world. Uh, when you have these interesting steps in your life history. Duke is a retired MSU Extension educator. As a kid on his uncle's farm, he'd help squash hornworms, but not all of them. I'd always take a fair share of them during the year at home, raise them, uh, try to get some adults since I was uh, into moths and butterflies from a very young age. They are really neat creatures. In the spring, a tomato hornworm emerges as a five-spotted hawk moth with a wingspan as wide as six inches. They hover like hummingbirds while drinking nectar, and their proboscis is almost as long as their wingspan. They have a very long coiled mouth part, that, and they tend to feed on very deep-throated flowers, although they can use it on shallow flowers as well. Five or six inches long sometimes on the mouth part, so it's, it's pretty remarkable when they unroll it. You can see a photo of that mouth part unrolled at our website, interlockandpublicradio.org. If you have a question about something you're seeing or looking for outdoors, send us an email or voice memo to ipr at interlockin.org. 
That's the show for this week. I'm Peter Payette. Thanks to Cheryl Bartz, who provided us lots of help for this episode. Danielle Percy and Amanda Sewell helped us with translation. Join us next week to hear about beautiful mute swans that are aggressive and overrunning marshes and lakes across Michigan. Till then, have a great week and stay safe. Thank you.